0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece has been brought to you by Bonnie Plants. BonniePlants.com Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct,
1: and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. All right. Welcome back. You are tuned in to the Heritage Radio Network, and I know it's been a long time since you have heard my voice. Um, this is Aaron Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. Back from break, big thanks to Holly Cederholm, who covered the show in my absence. And we are here uh, today to kick off the brand new spring-summer season, and we are joined in the studio a very special guest from quite far away. Um, I want to give a big welcome to Kamal Muzawak. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you so much, Erin.
1: So you are here all the way from Lebanon.
2: Yes, there are planes from here to there, you know. I didn't come swimming.
1: No, I mean, that would have been quite a feat, actually.
2: (laughs) I wouldn't try it. We would have a
1: different conversation, I think, had you swum here. Um, Well, Before we kind of jump into um, some of your work, I want to give folks who maybe are not familiar with Lebanon a little bit of a broad strokes picture um, of the country as it relates to kind of agriculture and the work that you do. What should we kind of know about Lebanon to understand the rest of your story?
2: I think we should start by saying like there are no camels there.
1: No camels. (laughs) Okay. It's
2: not a desert. And it's part of a wonderful part of the world, which is the Mediterranean. So the Mediterranean is this beautiful big sea that used to be called the Mare Nostrum in the Roman time. And it has like, it's like a big basin, it's like a big pond, let's say. Mm-hmm. And it has different sides. It's Europe from one side, the Middle East from another side, and North Africa from the third side. So Lebanon is... At what we call, you know, the Middle East, or what I like to call the Eastern Mediterranean, Lebanon is just at the center of this Eastern Mediterranean. So if you look at the geography of this Mediterranean Sea, it's somehow like, you know, the belly of the Mediterranean. It's like a crossroad. It's physically, you know. Uh Geographically, it's like a crossroad of all of this old world, this old world where all of the civilizations, the major civilizations, were born around this Mediterranean Sea. So Lebanon is uh, a a rectangle, 200 kilometers long by 50 kilometers large, just at the center of the eastern Mediterranean. Uh, uh, So it's a very big coastal uh, coastal part. So there's first a coastal plain, Mm -hmm. then a first mountain range, as it's called the Mount Lebanon mountain range, then the Bekaa Valley. And then the anti-Lebanon mountain range, the border, whose peak is a border between Lebanon and Syria. So such a small country. It's only like 10,000 square kilometers. I don't know how, how it translates to U.S. Uh, figures, numbers. We'll have uh, to
1: look that up during the break. I don't know But it's like
2: really very, very easy. Uh, sorry, very small. Very small. And even in this very small country, I have such different geographies. Yeah. A coastal plain, you know, with a climate, uh, geography, uh, agriculture, an openness to the sea, big uh, cities that are open to the world and to the sea and to the spices and to diversity. Then uh, a first mountain range, whose peak is at around 3,000 meters altitude, uh, that is very well known for the cedars and the village of Bishar of Gibran Khalil Gibran. Uh, so it's like a completely different climate, completely different geography, different agriculture, different traditions, and a different cuisine. And just behind is the Bekaa Valley. The Bekaa Valley is a very fertile valley, but it is like it's like an introduction to the to the inland to Syria and to the other countries. Mm-hmm. And it's like the last block between the Mediterranean and the inland.
1: So from a ge- geographical standpoint, quite diverse across the country but then also bordered by very different parts um, as well. So it seems like in many ways like I have to imagine there's a lot of really delicious food happening.
2: <laughs> well there are a very very lot of different things happening, geography, uh people from different origins uh, are all of these different things that are happening translates into different foods happening and i would add interesting too
1: and and you you were born where, you were born in in, in Be- lebanon in i was lebanon? born
2: in lebanon raised in lebanon in a small village called jaita near beirut near the outskirts of beirut yes
1: And what did you think you were going to be doing when you were a young boy growing up?
2: My mother used to be a nurse and to please her I had to be a doctor. But Ah. it was like for a very short while because it was like yucky, I don't want to be so. And I was always amazed by architecture. I wanted to be an architect at one point. I'm glad I'm not. I'm very passionate by architecture, but I'm glad I don't do it, I mean. Uh, and I think I was always interested I'm I'm a son of farmers and producers I was always amazed you know by gardening not as gardening you know I was always amazed by the secret of life how can you just have Cold, a bare soil, you know, and to have a stupid uh, seed, you know, yes, just a seed doesn't is,
1: look like much. What is
2: a seed, you know? Like, what is this? It's like nothing. Like you just throw it, throw it in the soil with a drop of water, and it sprouts into life. So this was really, really wonderful. And then I think I was always amazed by the seasons. How we used to, we nearly never bought vegetables or fruits. You know, we were like expecting 15th of August. Uh, I'm not very old. I was born in 69. Don't look at me as I was a grandpa, you know, but I'm still from an age where we used to live a different way, you know, like we never bought grape. Never, never bought grape. I have never seen someone else's fingertips, but ours, you know, or mine on on grapes, because we used to wait for 15th of August, where grapes were ripe enough, where we go up, you know, and uh, and pick grapes, or go to the garden behind the house and pick up the party for the tabbouleh, or wait for the winter for my uncle to bring the citrus from his garden. So everything was like just uh, simply seasonal and there was no other thing to do you just wait for the thing in their own season and i was always i think amazed by this secret of life cycle of life way of life uh, how life manifests and sprouts and gives so in in
1: 2004 you started the first farmers market in beirut why wasn't there a farmer's market there before? I mean, is that is that like an overstatement? I mean, was it really the first farmer's market?
2: Was there a farmer's market in New York before uh, the, green, the market? green market? No. <laughs> I, well,
1: you know, I wonder, I think like there was definitely like community markets. There's mm-hmm. a long history of community Absolutely. gardens it's in the, the same. city. You know, so similar, like it's where similar. there's like there was things yeah. happening, but there was no yeah. kind of like centralized or organized.
2: Yeah. yeah. America is a huge country You know Lebanon yeah. is a very Very small country Where the production Is never very far uh, So if I'm telling you That the country Is 200 kilometers long By 50 kilometers large f- And Beirut is In the center Of this Of this rectangle uh-huh. So The further It can be Is like An hour and a half Two hours drive Or 150 Or 200 kilometers I'm trying to send, Translate in time
1: Yeah
2: Because I don't have The American uh... Yeah no The
1: time is, makes more sense Anyway yes. You're like, if you draw a circle and you drive within, you know, yeah. one and a half to two hours, then so you're like...
2: everything used to be very close. So, producers used to uh, sell their produce in their own farms or along the roads, mm-hmm. on the roads, let's say. Or they used to bring their produce to uh, uh, to the city central wholesale uh, uh markets you know right but it was never a producer's only market when i talk about a farmer's market it is a producer's only market where the producer you know fill up his car or his van by whatever he cooked or produced or planted or harvested and comes and he or she sells them
1: right so it's not like um somebody has bought a big bushel of melons from somewhere else and can bring them into the market
2: no because we're not interested at all by the lemons themselves We're not a food project. We are a human development project. We are not interested in the lemons by themselves. We are interested by the man or the woman who planted them, by the man or the woman who cooked this food, you know. Because when you're supporting just a product, just a lemon, it's just about that. But when I'm supporting the person behind this product, he or she will be doing better what they are doing and much more too.
1: So um, I'm assuming that you woke up sometime in the early 2000s and was like, I think I want to start this market
2: Mm. yes i had the aha moment i have a wonderful wonderful story you know like it was on august 12th i slept at 6 p.m you know i had a very nice evening and then i woke up at 4am and said oh my god i had this vision i'm sorry i'm bullshitting this is all not true i'm like getting on the edge of
1: my seat nodding my head i'm like oh yes tell me more tell me more sorry to disappoint
2: (laughs) i couldn't go more no it's not like this it's just you know following the flow what do you say you know like it's just an evolution from one thing to another I'm a son of farmers and producers and this is the start of everything I studied graphic design at one point I never worked in graphic design before finishing my studies I was uh, uh, I was working in a cultural center it was just the end of the war
1: Mm-hmm. The, the civil war. The civil
2: war in Lebanon that started in 1975 and ended in 1991. Okay. So this very, very small country was divided into different pieces, you know, like Brooklyn, not even Brooklyn, like just Manhattan. You have like Fifth Avenue dividing the whole uh, the whole country into two parts. And then, you know, East and West are divided into 10 different parts each. It was unbelievable. So we lived this. I lived this nearly half of my life. And then just one day, it was like, okay, there's nothing anymore. There's no borders anymore. No. uh, And it's all yours. So, ah, really? And what do we do of it? You know, Uh and what do we consider the others that we used to consider as the enemy from both sides? You know, it's the same problem. So just at the end of the war, there was this wonderful man who created this cultural center in this beautiful old Lebanese house. And it was about, you know, art and culture. It was called art and culture and it was bringing people together and it started to draw the roads were not good it used to take you hours to go from one point to another
1: because of the war like the the infrastructure of the country was absolutely
2: and still people were coming from like all around just like for a music concert a poetry reading like why are these people coming and I understood the importance of a common ground
1: a common ground yeah
2: and I started to understand that even if these people were killing each other yesterday, you know, and fighting, today we can bring them together around a common ground. Some of them would get together around, you know, art and cultural common grounds. And, you know, we can find other common grounds too. Common grounds can be in a bad way, you know, when you take uh, fundamentalism or things like that, you know, or they can be in a positive way. So instead of pushing people on bad path why don't we find positive and constructive common common grounds for, for 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 them and this was a great teaching in my life after that someone asked me to write a guidebook about Lebanon and I went around this very small country but said I didn't know at all because I was you
1: hadn't traveled growing up
2: I, I, I couldn't go out yeah. of my region to the other one yeah. it was very dangerous and still like you know it's not true I used to go nearly everywhere all the time because I never wanted to be in a box you know or in one place even if I had to do nothing I was just a kid maybe I was 15 or 17 years old and I was going here and there and sometimes not even telling my parents so going all around the country I discovered not just a country you know with a beautiful maybe I don't know archaeological or natural sites I discovered wonderful people who are all so different, but all the same. If you come to them with open arms and open hearts, they would have wider hearts and arms. If you come with them with a negative thing, they would be more negative than you. So I started, you know, understanding the importance of getting together, the importance of finding a common ground. From there, I started travel writing, and I started food writing, which is a great passion of mine. Then I discovered Slow Food and I started collaborating with Slow foods. and I was sitting on the board of the international organization for uh, two or three years, I think. Then I discovered something wonderful which is called Macrobiotics and I studied the Macrobiotics and I was teaching Macrobiotic Cuisine uh, for, for a while. And then you know, it was just the right thing to do. Like one day in two thousand and four, someone was organizing a garden show in Beirut for the first time, and they said like, we need to have like a food section here, you know. So Ah uh, Kamal is a food guy. Let's ask him to do something around food. And I just you know called uh, uh, ten uh, producers, farmers, friends uh, uh, of mine who I was you know writing about uh, uh, or knowing. And like we were like at the end of this uh, garden show in uh, the pine forest in Beirut. There's a small pine forest around the hippodrome of Beirut. And this, you know, five days event was like a magnet, attracting people. Everybody was attracted to this place, you know, because it's food, it talks to them, because it's tradition, because it's sincere, because it's authentic, because it's like real people coming from different regions and, you know, sharing a bite, a piece of bread or a bite of something with you. And after these four or five days of like great success, I said, well, okay, it's not something that's going to end. Ten days later, I created something called Sokut Tayyip, the market of goods, and it existed since as a farmer's market and developed into many different uh, projects uh, other than the farmer's market itself. So, sorry, there was no, no aha moment.
1: <laughs> no aha moment. I'm sorry, there was a long no. story, but no
2: aha moment. <laughs> no,
1: I mean, I think too, like that's often how things happen is that you're like moving through life with intention. Hmm. And, uh, you know, situations arise And yeah. you have the, you're like, yes, let's do this And you this. have to react Exactly yeah.
2: This is our life, you know By the end of the day, I'm sorry, we're not talking about agriculture You know, for me, life is not about agriculture Or about the radio Or about cooking Or about like it's just about how we can make the best of whatever we have and do the best contribution to life in whatever we're doing. You're doing a radio show. How can you do the best contribution to life with the words you are, you know, speaking? So for me, it's just about that.
1: It's like uh, uh, your medium. Yes,
2: your way of expression, expressing yeah. yourself and giving back to life.
1: So if I were to arrive, you know, on a market day, can you kind of paint a picture for me? What does it look like? What are the things that I'm like smelling? Wonderful people. Yeah.
2: First of all, it's wonderful people. It's, you know, big smiles, beautiful eyes, uh, very welcoming. So whether it is mainly the producers and the people who are there. So it's like, uh, where are we here anyway? This is Roberta's. Roberta's, yeah. Do you know where you are? It's like in the middle of nowhere. Yes. And it's like, I don't know where it is. Like, you know, like, uh, how can we have a great pizza here, you know? (laughs) But what happened is these people created like a space of their own. I don't want to say a bubble, you know, sometimes a bubble is not nice or it's negative, but they created a space, right? So the souk is the same. So how each and every one of us can create these spaces, you know, of positivity, of good, good in all the meanings of good, not only of good taste, of good as ethics, of good as living, you know, of trust. And the Sukkot on a Saturday morning is very much something like this. Yes, I can draw pictures of smells and, you know, like I can do a perfect journalist jobs and tell you stories for 10 minutes, but I'm not going to do so. And I'll tell you, you know, it's unfortunately a bubble, of trusts of goods of people getting together around a common a common something between all of them and i would love you know this bubble you know to grow the most possible you know and like you know in french we say touched we like a drop of oil that will spread and do more and more all around
1: so, I'm
2: not answering in the right way to you for all your questions today. I'm sorry. You must be hating me by now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
2: don't have an aha moment. I'm not, you know, drawing the picture of.
1: <laughs> well, no. I just. I guess I'm curious. Like, I guess my question really is like, and I and I I I take your point, um, but I do have like a a a little. I have a curiosity around just like. W- because I don't know what
2: would you buy, what would yeah, you what eat? are the, like okay, what are the like you. what are
1: the things that now you're I'll producing? Tell you. <laughs> yes, you know.
2: So there are fresh fruits and vegetables. There are preserves, natural preserves. Because in Lebanon there's a tradition that we call mune, and mune is uh, uh, which is, exists everywhere in the world, you know. But in Lebanon there's a specific term for the preserves. It's called mune. And then again, there's usually in the houses a specific room, like the pantry, which is called the room of the moon. Uh-huh. It's very, very important for us because when you live in the mountain, you need to preserve the bounties of the good uh, seasons, whether it is jams or pickles or uh, uh, meat with fat, uh, viande confite, confit, yes. you know, yeah. like all of these different things uh, <coughs> dried legumes, uh, wheat, uh, all of these different things where you stock from the good season to the other seasons or or from the seasons of abundance to other seasons when you don't have this product. It's very, very seasonal. The products are very, very seasonal. So now it's end of uh, end of winter, early spring. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of water. So there's a lot of foraging. And I adore all these wild herbs in this season. For me, the best season ever to my taste is now end of winter, early spring. It's beautiful weather, flowers are everywhere and as of the food there is an abundance of uh, it's the end of the citrus season because winter is citrus season and when I say citrus is like citrus of all colors, shapes and four different kinds of oranges different kind of grapefruit different kind of uh, uh, mandarin and clementine so really wonderful, wonderful things. So end of citrus beginning of uh, of foraging, uh, the start of tender planted herbs and greens, uh, the start of wonderful parsley because parsley is very very important for us. It's the uh, main ingredient for tabbouleh, and the best parsley is the smallest and the most tender mm-hmm. because we're eating the parsley raw. We don't want our parsley to be old and woody uh, and woody. Yeah. So it's all of these different things and then Saturday morning is a big day of the farmers market. There's always a sage. You know what's a sage is like like a big paella, an inverted ah paella let's say or a wok it's an inverted wok and there's fire below it uh-huh. and traditionally the fire used to be wood or pine needles because they uh, take fire very quickly and you can control the fire very fast or now obviously it's more practically uh, gas and we have one now that we used in Washington two days ago that we're using upstate in a few days and we're going to leave in uh, Ooh, <laughs> really? and I know that there are some I manushi oh, shops anyway in, uh, in New York now too so manoushe is our typical breakfast. It's like a pizza, but it's, this is what we eat for breakfast because we eat salty. We don't eat sweet traditionally for breakfast, which is like a heartier or hard-like breakfast for people to be stronger at work. And Thank
1: it, you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like. I don't get the sweet breakfast. Me too. It gives me a belly ache. <laughs>
2: me too. Me too. I have a sweet tooth, but not in the morning.
1: No, me neither.
2: So the manoushe, the traditional manoushe is with za'atar. So za'atar is a mixture of wild thyme, sumac, sesame seeds, and salt, and... Uh, olive oil so we just spread this over it and this is breakfast and people queue you know for for an hour maybe we don't queue usually in Lebanon we're more like you know how would I find my way to right
1: get there. <laughs> but still
2: in this microcosm not to say bubble without telling people what to do they know the right thing to do even like queuing and they would just do it without someone telling them to to do it.
1: And then you expanded on the, the market. I mean, you started hosting producer dinners as well.
2: Mm. It's not so. We started the farmer's market in 2004, uh-huh. and it's a producers-only farmer's market. That's very, very important. It's a way to bring the producer, you know, that we call a peasant, and peasant is like a bad word, you know, uh, to someone. It's no, a peasant is not worse or not better than anyone else. Each one has a contribution <coughs> to life, and the producer and the farmer has a great contribution because he or she is doing what we are eating every day, and it's very, very important.
1: Well, part of that like national identity, like those...
2: In my opinion, there's nothing that speaks of roots and identity better than agriculture and cuisine itself. You know, when, when I think of Lebanon, it's tabouleh and kibbeh. There are five million Lebanese in Lebanon, five million only, not more. Fifteen million around the world, a lot of, uh, in Brazil or here, a lot in the States and here and there. And the only thing that they took with us is their tabouleh and kibbeh and their cuisine. You know, they didn't take the language or the costume or the architecture. This is the most sincere and authentic expressions, expression of one's history, roots and tradition. The States is a country where people come from all over the world. They all speak English, they don't speak their languages. They are all dressed the same, but every Sunday or on every holiday. What the mother or the grandmother is going to do to perpetuate their history and roots is going to cook the traditional food of their their origins. So we started with the farmer's market in 2004, and it was a move from rural to urban for the producers. In 2007, it was like, why do we have only to do this move? Why don't we go back from time to time to the villages of origin? So we started doing food festivals in the villages. So Uh this village is known for tomato. There's a tomato festival, fish festival there, cherry festival elsewhere. On a Sunday, obviously, and it's a day where there's like a local market for the local producers, historical visit or touristic visit of the region, you know, everything for the people of that village or region to be proud of what they have. It's very much about identity, recognition, and pride. At the same time, we're going to have lunch at noon, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't want to have like a regular, you know, tabbouleh and hummus generic lunch, we, want, we went to this village so far away. We want really to eat the typical foods of this village. So who can do it? No one but the home cooks. Because there's a big difference between restaurant cuisine, maize cuisine, and what people eat at home, home cuisine. It's, it's nearly two completely different cuisines. Huh. So it was about, great, who are the best cooks in this village? Come along, you know, five, six, or ten of them, and let's do a wonderful buffet of your specialties, of your village specialties, and people would be coming, helping themselves from this buffet for lunch, as if they were eating lunch at your own homes. You moms, you wonderful cooks, wonderful moms. So when these lunches starting to have a great success, we said, like, why do we have to wait a day, a year only to go to the village and to uh, to eat this, the, the, the typical food of that village? So this is where we created in 2009, taule, which means the table. So you're coming home and eating, not in the dining room, you're eating on the kitchen table, where every day... Every, every single day, it's a different woman from a different village who would come and cook typical food of her own village or region through a buffet of 10 different, 10 or 15 different uh, between salads and appetizer and main dishes. And people would come and help themselves from this buffet and the woman would be standing and, you know, like helping people or greeting them as if she was hosting them in her own house. So this was the start of Tawli that we, I don't like to call it a restaurant. When people tell me restaurant, I say restaurant. Which restaurant? Like, mm? mm. I like to call it farmer's kitchen. <coughs> like there is a farmer's market. This is a farmer's kitchen for us. So it's ju- not just an expression as of agriculture. It's an expression of what, how do you take this agriculture to the next step? Not with a chef, you know mainly male chefs in professional restaurants, but more in a very simple way through home cuisine with mom and women?
1: Um... That that sounds like my again. It sounds like my dream lunch situation. <laughs> um, I want to take just a short break, and um, when we come back, we can talk about one of the newer projects on your docket. So hang tight, folks. You're tuned into the Farm Report. I'm here with Kamal Mazawak, and we will be right back. <laughs>
0: Not just your garden, it's the
1: way you live. And there's so much to know, but you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow.
3: With Bonnie. The one and only Dave Arnold brings the noise to Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday on Cooking Issues. Coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick and Brooklyn. <laughs> if the bomb was going to drop and you only had 15 minutes, which is like, I can, I can make a sandwich in 15 minutes. you would be eating a sandwich. I, I'd kiss my wife, make a sandwich. If you believe that it's all about to be over, why eat healthy? Not a freaking Neanderthal. I like a tempered ice cream sandwich. But it's the only way to get around it if you're a party master because you, you, you're going to wind up, like, your kitchen's going to fill with dishes. And is Some there... people have commercial dishwashers in their house. Who? I've seen them. Who? I've seen them. Who? <laughs> really rich people. <laughs> For more mile a minute knowledge from Dave and the crew, listen to Cooking Issues, available on Heritage Radio Network, iTunes, and Stitcher
1: all right we are back you of course are tuned into the farm report and we are um discussing one of the the first farmer's market in lebanon and the projects that have been spurned um out of that kind of initial genesis um your your newest project um bait duoma is it's a like a I'm, I guess hotel is not quite the right word, but now that's have the to easiest one. It's yes. not a restaurant. It's yes. not
2: this. this is not that. Yes. So,
1: oh, my God. What am I going to say
2: now? <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no. Um, um, I just It's like, here, I can give you something to react to. <laughs> no, it's not a
2: hotel. It's not a hotel. You know what? No. Because what is a hotel for you?
1: as a place to be avoided
2: <laughs> to be sorry
1: avoided Why? i don't because Why? it's Tell like uh
2: now i'm asking yes uh
1: well i just find them like so um uh, antiseptic you know so impersonal it's impersonal. like you know there's no especially i feel like um in the u.s they're often changed so it's like you have no sense of where you are
2: mm-hmm. no sense of place great yeah you're answering i don't need to answer <laughs> and then these are spaces where you are confined in a room yes and then there is nothing else there is a public space to eat you know Then there is public space that is called the restaurant or the eatery or i don't know what or and there is a public space to sit which is called the lobby mm-hmm. and not one of these spaces induce you know conviviality no what is do you know what what it means conviviality Con means together. Mm -hmm. Viviality, it's living. uh, Vivere. Okay? So, nothing induces conviviality. So... If I need to go, if I'm on, the, on business, you know, I had a meeting 9 a.m. this morning. I have to leave the hotel at 8. You know, yesterday I was having dinner. I came back at midnight, you know, and I just need to sleep from midnight to, to 7 and take my showers and then, then uh, take a ride and come, and come to my job. So, fair enough. I don't need more than that. I just right. need a room. I don't need conviviality. But when I'm going out of my house for leisure, not for business... I need a place where I can exist, which means where there's a kitchen, where there's a library where I can read a book, real books, not decor, because you're going to tell me there are a thousand hotels with like fake libraries. Fake,
1: fake, you go to pull the book off the shelf and the whole chunk of them comes out.
2: Or maybe it's a real one, but like it's an uninteresting one, you know, Yes. and uh, spaces to sit, Different spaces to sit Whether I want to sit alone Or I want to sit with a group Or the person I am with Or like just talk to the other people Or not maybe, you know But like give all of these options Which means it's a house So why do we need always To take the professional model And this is, you know, corporate Mainly corporate America You know, where a restaurant is done like this A hotel is done like this And you know, we're going to build on the same model Guys, no there is a different model a restaurant is not the only way to eat we eat elsewhere too or unfortunately used to which is called home so we can build a public eating space on a model other than the corporate restaurant model which is the model that we did in Beirut with Taule. Taule itself is a real home kitchen you come, it's like mom's kitchen with two stainless steel counters and a gas range. And that's it. Because the woman who's coming to cook, if you give her a professional kitchen, she would look at it and that's like
1: too much. freak uh-huh, yeah.
2: and run away. Yeah. So yes, my mom at home can cook for 60 people. You know, she cannot do it every day, but like we're not, we don't have the same woman every day and she needs like a support system, some people, organization and everything which we provide. So it's looking at things in a different way and saying we can build things in a different mo- on a different model, which is like just simply, you know, the model that we lived or are living in. So I come back to Beidouma. So why do I need to have the model, the corp- the corporate hotel model again? No, I just want to live in a house. I don't have the money or the time or the energy to have it myself. So can someone do it for me? But just like a real house. I want a real soap. I want a real towel. I don't <laughs> want a paper near my bed that says uh, uh, to, to call this or to call that, I don't know that. No, it's just like home. At home, I don't have a logo on my towels. Right. Why should I have it in these places? Yes. At home, you know, I don't have in my kitchen a dispenser of, I don't know. It's just like a well furnished home, agreeable home, welcoming home, very well serviced. You know, there's a person who's taking care of the kitchen, there's a person who's taking care of, uh, you know, the organization, someone of the cleaning, just like a well, une maison bien tenue, a well, you know, uh, managed or well done house. Mm -hmm. But that is not mine where I can, you know, come in for a day or two or a week alone or with family and organize whatever I want. When I call to book, like, when do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? It's just like home and has nothing of the corporate world. So this is it. It's not a hotel. I don't know what to call it. It's like, it's like communal homes. It's like a communal home.
1: But I can come and stay there.
2: Yes, definitely. <laughs>
1: Um, well, you've done a fair amount of traveling around the U.S. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if you can share with us um, some of your observations. Like, are you feeling kind of um, optimistic or pessimistic about the state of uh, our our culture, our markets, our restaurants, the community that we're cultivating here?
2: I'm always optimistic, I hope. And, you know, there's always a full... Uh, empty half and the full half of a glass right so it's always looking at the things in a good way if we didn't have a problem wouldn't be looking for a solution if we didn't have you know corporate and agro industry and all of these things who depleted the soil and you know did sometimes good things sometimes catastrophe agriculture wouldn't have had this wonderful movement you know and reality of farming and of quality farming and natural farming or production, you know, mm-hmm. or the artisan, all of this, you know, traditional approach to cooking and to processing, food processing or butchering. So there are always these two sides of, uh, of things. And I think everything is exacerbated, can we use this word, yeah. in the state So everything is like very bad or very good or because it's a big country, it's, uh, it's a big economy, so nothing is like uh, simple let's say but uh, like I was speaking two days ago about specific subject let's say it's very much for me a country of trends too trends for the country and for the rest of the world so this is where it's like a big responsibility so uh, when I see all of these trends you know I hate when I hear people saying like wow food is a trend now I hate when I hear it you know because food shouldn't be a trend you know Fashion can be a trend. You're wearing red pants. This can be a trend now. You can, it can be completely out of trend in two, two months or two weeks or two days. It's okay. You can wear blue ones. But you know, you cannot change so much in food because this is something that you have to do every day, every day, two, three or four times a day. And if we don't go towards doing the right thing, the right agriculture, the right food production, the right consumption, you know. It has enormous uh, price and bad consequences on me as an individual, on us as a community, on life, on nature, on the environment, on the animals we're raising, on everything. So this interest you know, about good production and good eating, I hope, will move from a trend to a real understanding and the responsibility of each and every single individual. I was speaking a few days ago at the Chef's Collaborative and my talk was titled F, F isn't for feed, F foodies. You know. Yes. <laughs> what I mean by foodies is foodies and trends and trendsetters, you know, like now it's kale and quinoa and, you know, uh, and ramp and, and tomorrow it's something else and we just need to, to run under uh, after a different trend just to bring more, attract more attention, to attract more clients and attract more business. It's just about the thing that guys... It's not just about figures and business, it's about something else too. So for me, it's very important to get to this understanding of, you know, life is not just about figures. And for me, corporate America is very much or just about that and should be looking for itself and mainly because it's a role model for the rest of the world at life in a different way, you know. It's not about just what you make, it's about what you bring to life. And it's about what you give back to life, to the environment, to, the so, to, to, to social around you. Because it's not just out of ethics, because it does pay back on your health, on your environment, on the world, on security, on all many different levels.
1: It's all connected.
2: All connected. And it's not all connected in a tree-hugging, tree-hugging uh, uh, approach, you know? It's just reality. When you don't take care of people and they are frustrated for such a long time, one of them is going to, you know, kidnap a plane and do September 11. It's just as simple as that. You know, I'm not a 1970 hippie, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm not in Woodstock. This is reality, guys. This is reality. When you don't take care of the environment and you just, you know, throw poison and everything, you know, the rate of cancer is going to go berserk. And it's like, you know, when I was a kid, we didn't... I'm 47 years old, I'm not a grandpa, when I was a kid we weren't supposed to say the word cancer, we used to say that other sickness or something, you don't right. say the word, and today it's like a flu, you know, like it's like if you don't have it, touch wood, I hope no one will have it, if you don't have it, it's like, you know, it's not normal, it's like unbelievable, why so? So it's not just about, you know, like a great speech. Oh, it's so nice. It's so holistic. No, it's about reality.
1: Well, I I think we think about that a lot here on the radio network. It's um, those, you know, your food, what you eat, how it's grown, you know, it shapes your body. It shapes the planet. It's uh,
2: what you get nurtured from, I would say. Yeah, not just what you eat. You know, because we're surrounded by, you know, all this crap, I would say here. I'm joking. It's not crap. You know, look, all all this upcycling, you know, we're sitting on upcycled chairs on (laughs) beautiful old chairs. But this is nurturing, too. Why aren't you sitting in a corporate space? Right. Why aren't we sitting in a cubicle? Right so nurturing is not just about food it's about everything you know that surrounds us you asked me to talk about the farmers market you said how does it smell what do you see so it's about all our senses what we eat what we smell what we see what we do what we you know i came in you know angry i made you angry i came in happy and open i made you more confident and trust trusting you know like all of these things are important we are not just a bank account. We are much more than that. We are all of these different things together. We are not just foodies, you know, like ah, oh, the nicest thing. And what did the press say? No, it's not just says. It can be the nicest meal, with you know, the no responsibility at all in the kitchen for the employees or mm-hmm. for the animals of the in the farm or for the parsley that they picked. So. It's all of these things together. And there is no perfect solution where everything is perfect. There is just at every single second, you know, the awareness of each individual, you and me, you know, to make the best choice in every action that we do. What is this coffee you're holding in your hand? Is it, it's not the best coffee ever, because the best, the absolute best coffee does not exist. But is it the best that you can have for now? For this morning, so this is about this. This is the responsibility of each and single individuals of doing the best choices every single time and every single thing.
1: Gauntlet thrown, guys.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry I'm not speaking about agriculture.
1: (laughs) I think you are speaking about agriculture, though. I mean, I think we're taking your point. In some ways, I feel like you're coming full circle, to the uh, the desire to extract it as a separate thing, yes. you, you know, um, if folks want to learn more about you or follow your work or come visit, what's the best way for them to find you?
2: I think find, find themselves, you know, uh, for me, you know, I just tell a story not to make my story better known. There is a word very trendy now, you know, in the trends called inspirational. Uh-huh. What inspirational means? it means you're going to listen or see something and it's going to inspire you. So it's about you, it's not about the story. But if someone wants knows the story, <laughs> there's a website <laughs> <laughs> called And we would be very, very happy hosting people in Lebanon. Unfortunately, there are more travel bans, they are called, or something from uh, uh, the States to Lebanon. But like before, we hosted for more than a year uh, students from uh, the new school in New York. So we're always very, very interested in these exchanges because it's very enriching for us. It's very enriching. It's always nice. You cannot meet the same, you need to meet the other, so uh, we're open to any visitor, any uh, anyone who would like to come visit us, or just check what we do on, on our website, Come
1: on, thank you so much it's been really great chatting with you
2: thank you so much
1: well, there we have it folks the debut episode of this season's farm report, thank you so much for sticking with us, big thanks to david who engineered my show today and a shout out to our sponsors who make the program possible um if you like the show please rate us on itunes it'd be great to hear from you you can find me on twitter or instagram it's aaron underscore fairbanks you can follow heritage radio and their work at heritage underscore radio thank you so much for listening stay tuned in